Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today we're going to talk about the 10 ways to improve your sleep according to Dr. Peter Atia. Um, his book, Outlive, The Science and Art of Longevity, which I just completed uh, reading. And it's so dense, or it's over 400 pages, and he covers everything from cancer, heart disease, um, Alzheimer's, and I forget, he, he calls them the four horsemen, and diabetes. Um, but, he, but he basically, the book talks about how to live longer. He has a chapter on centenarians, and then he also has a chapter on uh, nutrition, which is which, what he calls biochemistry uh, nutrition. Then he has a chapter on movement and exercise. So there's so much in this book that for me to cover it in one episode would be too much. Your brain would explode. So I'd rather break it down into different parts. So what I'm going to do is uh, for this episode is just discuss the 10 ways in which he discusses how to improve sleep. And I'm going to juxtapose that with how I, um, you know, have improved my sleep and, you know, so like areas that I agree on or any challenges on. And then stay tuned to the end because at the end we'll also discuss uh, what he shares in terms of what to do in those moments when you wake up in the middle of the night. And sleep is so important for suicide prevention because numerous research has shown that um Sleep disturbances such as insomnia and nightmare symptoms are an independent, evidence-based risk factor for suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, and death by suicide. So if you're a person who's struggling to fall asleep, stay asleep, or you have nightmares that are waking you up, or you just haven't been sleeping at all, right, um, this is the episode we want to listen to. And and also what I'll include are the, the, this idea that there's no one size fits all for sleep. Uh, what you may require may require creativity on your part. And, I, and I'll talk about that towards the end also. So let's hop into it. What are the 10 ways that we can improve our sleep according to Dr. Peter Atia? Number one is don't drink any alcohol, period. And if you absolutely, positively must limit yourself to one drink before uh, about 6 p.m., alcohol probably impairs sleep quality more than any other factor than we can control. Don't confuse the drowsiness uh, for sleep quality. It does not do that. So, I don't drink alcohol, and that's according to Peter Tia. Number one, don't drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol um, at all. And the reason why I stopped drinking alcohol is because I met Michelle. When Michelle and I first started dating, I was so enamored and saw such a future with us that I knew that alcohol could destroy that. I drank, she drank, but we weren't really drinkers. So I don't want to give you the impression that it was a big leap, like we were going out drinking every night. We were just these, I was a, I think she was more of a social drinker, 
but neither one of us were the type to be like, oh, I'm going to go have a drink. Like we, we, we were drinking if the people around us had a drink and offered it, but I was never seeking out uh, me. I was always seeking out cookies, cakes, and donuts. That, that was, <laughs> so that, that wasn't a, a huge challenge. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I you see it in movies a lot where people are standing over the kitchen sink drinking wine or having a, f- a few cocktails or they have it as a nightcap and it's right before bed and all it does is it um, can spike your insulin levels five hours later. So if you're a person who finds yourself waking up in the middle of the night, it could be from the alcohol because alcohol breaks down into sugar in our system and then that can cause an insulin spike. And that insulin spike can be what wakes us up five hours later in the middle of the night. So do not drink alcohol. At number two, don't drink anything less than, or don't eat anything less than three hours before bedtime. For me, I don't, I stop eating at 6 p.m every night 6 p.m i typically go to bed between 10 and 11 and the reason why i stop eating at 6 is because i've recognized that i have a slower metabolism you know i could i know some people who don't eat anything um you know less than three hours or two hours before bedtime and they're fine they can they can have quality sleep i find that if i eat two to three hours before bedtime it prevents me from getting into the deep. I don't get that quality sleep. I don't get the deep REM cycles. Um, and sometimes it could leave me a bit gassy, burpy, because I haven't um, digested it enough. Now, there are times where because of my schedule and traveling, where I might eat a little something before bed. I might have some pistachios, some macadamians. I might have a, a piece of fruit. Uh, I might have some sunflower seeds or uh, even a little, um, some tuna or uh, some sardines. I might go high protein. Just, you know, just a little something, something on a tongue. But I try not to make that a habit. I try to avoid that if I can. I'd rather just uh, go to bed hungry. So don't eat anything a few hours before bed. And, And once again, like I said, this is only you know um, what works for you. So if you find yourself going to bed and your, your stomach still feels kind of uh, full, then may, either you ate too much or you ate too close to bed or you ate something that just really takes a long time to digest. Like the more, uh, the higher uh, fat there is, then the longer it takes to digest. And it could just be, the simple fix could be like, if you're going to eat two to three hours before bed, um, go for a walk after, right? I, I, I think a big part of the, the challenge is we will eat and then sit and watch a movie or lay in bed and watch TV and then fall asleep. So if you're going to eat that close to bedtime, try to go for a quick, you know, do a quick lap around the block. And what's great about going for that walk around the block, especially if you're like in a relationship uh, Michelle and I, it gives us a chance to connect before bed, to, to air out any gratitudes, grievances, to learn about each other's day, um, you know, just that little light chatter. 
And then it also gives us a chance to wave at the neighbors, say hello, other people walking their dog and, and things like that. So going for that walk is just like getting that cool air on your face. It gets us from in front of the screen, especially if you can do it without being plugged in. Um, it's just it's just great. Get those steps in. Anything to get that those ten thousand those ten thousand steps in. Uh, the third recommendation from Dr. Peter Atia is abstain from stimulating electronics beginning two hours before bed. Try to avoid anything involving a screen if you're having trouble falling asleep. If you must use a setting that reduces the blue light from your screen. Now I'll tell you this. This is the uh, the biggest challenge for me, right? Abstaining from uh, electronics two hours before bed. I typically cut it off about an hour before bed. Michelle and I will watch a movie um, at night, or you know, a TV show, not a movie. A movie is like anywhere from ninety minutes to three hours. Um, but we'll watch like a, a TV show, um, and then like a, a quick little cute funny YouTube video. And then she'll typically go to bed, and I'll read a book um, just to kind of let my brain, my, my nervous system kind of decompress. I might uh, journal a little bit, and then I'll go to bed. Sometimes we go to bed at the same time, but sometimes I'll, I'll read a book um, before bed to kind, of get, to kind of help my eyes readjust so I'm not going from looking at a screen to then just shutting my eyes and going to bed. And now I have like the images of whatever we just watched implanted on my brain. So, but I definitely have noticed a difference in my sleep quality by getting off the screens um, an hour or two before bed. Because I used to be the person to fall asleep with the screen right in, you know, uh, you know, I just would fall asleep watching a movie or TV show. And the worst part was sometimes I'd be, you know, watching it on my cell phone. So then my eyes really have to squint. And it I could definitely feel like my eyes straining and my head hurting. And uh, it would just take me longer to fall asleep. So, yeah, definitely cutting out the electronics um, a few hours before bed. And then, you know, you can use that time to stretch to journal, to read, to play games. Sometimes Michelle and I will play Monopoly or something or call a friend, but, but try to do something. Well, you know, you, you would still be on your electronics, but try to do something. Uh, what do they call it when it's not electronic? Uh, I forget. Monologue. No, analog. Okay. Uh, and number four, fourth tip is, for at least one hour before bed, if not more, avoid doing anything that is anxiety-producing or stimulating, such as reading work email or, God help you, checking social media. I tell you, this is such a big tip because I think part of the reason why we stay up late, right? They call it revenge, like not sleeping or something. Because what we'll do is right before bed, we'll look at our email, our emails for the next day, our calendar for the next day, and then we'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sucks. I'm not looking forward to that. It's going to be horrible. And then so we try to like have a great time the night before, 
as like as if like tomorrow's our last, as if like this is our last hurrah before tomorrow. And so one of the things that I've done is I will look at my calendar the following day, earlier in the day, like around five or six p.m., and then set my alarms accordingly. Like what time do I need to be up? And then just knowing what my first thing is. And then I'll also will write that out on a piece of paper. There's something about writing out my next day's uh, schedule on a piece of paper or my dry erase board that um, brings me a sense of calm. I think it's, it's kind of like that I get a, a bigger picture of what my day looks like, and then I can see where I can fill in the gaps. Because when I look at things on my phone, it just amplifies the anxiety of it all, the the drudgery. But there's something about writing it down on paper that makes me feel like, okay, uh, you know, now, now I can like check them off or I can scratch them out. I'm like, I'm done with you, right? It, or I could erase it. There's something more tactile um, about it that makes me feel more empowered when I write it down or put it on a dry erase board. So if you're a person who, you know, you, when you're looking at your next day's schedule, you're like, uh, write out your whole day schedule. And then as you go through your day, right? Or put it on dry erase board and just, you know, I, I don't have a sound <laughs> for the dry erase board. But, but that's definitely a way to do it. But yeah, avoid anything anxiety producing, social media. Uh, I'll, with social media, I go so far as to like, just delete the apps off my phone completely um, every every evening. Just like if I find myself getting back on there, I'll just delete it just so I'm not looking. Because it, it does. Whether it's good news or bad news, um, it, it it gets me too excited or too depressed and or too anything. Or, or it gets me envious when I see my friends crushing it. At, you know, it's like, they're like, yeah, you know, we got... Thank you for a million downloads or, you know, partying with Taylor Swift. Not that I want to party with Taylor Swift. I, you know what? I'm not anti-Taylor Swift, though. I, I tell you what, um, I, would, I wouldn't put her music on, but I love her longevity and the consistency. Like just her image and her branding. When you watch her in interviews, she's amazing. So, you know, shout out Taylor Swift. Uh, number five. Uh, spend time in a sauna or hot tub prior to bed. I got to tell you, this is big because I'm, I feel so much more relaxed when I can take a, sh uh, a hot bath before bed, because then when you get out the hot bath, right, that's 20 minutes, 20 minutes in a hot bath. Most people don't have access to a sauna, but 20 minutes in a hot bath, I get to I get to get to think about my my I get to it's like putting a cap on your day like I'm done for the day no one's gonna bother me I put my sauna music on a little meditative music I light some candles or put on some mood lighting um you know I get my little bubble bath I, I completely indulge the, the days whatever melts away taking that hot bath and then when you get out and then you, you step into the coolness, 
of the uh, of the bedroom. Oh, it's it's beautiful. I'm all for that. It it completely relaxes me. I get in, put in that Epsom salt. Oh, it's everything. It's everything. Number seven, darken the room completely. This is big. So a, a lot of the light in most people's room is either coming from the streets if you live in a city or it's coming from your cell phones. So I, I put my cell phone in another room and then I have an, I have an alarm clock in my bedroom. And then fortunately it has a dimmer so it's not, a, it's not brightly lit and then that is what is waking me up. So get your cell phone out of the bedroom, put in an alarm clock, and then get those blackout curtains. Uh, we, we just moved, so we're still waiting on our blackout curtains, but we had them at the last place. It makes a huge difference. I actually, like when I go to Vegas, I stay at the Rio when I'm doing a comedy cellar, and the, the rooms have blackout curtains, and I sleep incredibly in Incredibly, the uh, it, it can't because our skin um, uh, uh, absorbs any light that's in the room, right? So even if your eyes aren't picking it up, I even we we sleep with a a, a mask over our eyes, right? I even put um, ear earbuds, not earbuds, but um, uh, yeah, earbuds in just so I you know to block out noise. It's wonderful so black out your room completely make it as dark as possible like where you you can't even see at night and if you have to get up at night have one of those um you know have a plug-in light in your hallway that'll guide you to the bathroom right have something at your feet don't have anything above you have it have the lights uh below you and if you can get the motion sensor plug-ins even better so darken the room completely. Number eight, give yourself enough time to sleep, right? Um, <laughs> what, what sleep scientists call sleep opportunity. This means going to bed at least eight hours before you need to wake up, preferably nine. So, you know, this basically is like, don't be going to bed late. You know what time your bedtime is. If you got to be up at seven, don't be going to bed at one. <laughs> yeah, you notice that, that you're already starting the next day off on a on a wrong foot. So give yourself enough time to go to bed. Make sure you've if you're gonna take a bath, if you got food to prepare, um, and any preparation, have all that set up so that you can get to bed at a regular time. Don't don't wait till you're tired to all of a sudden prepare yourself for the for the next day. Do it when you have the energy, and then uh, you can get to bed on time. Number nine, fix your wake up, uh, fix your wake up time, and don't deviate from it. So I'm, I'm, I used to be bad at this because I used to be like, oh, it's the weekend, I can stay up as late as I want, I can wake up whenever I want. But the truth is, is you, we want to be as consistent as possible throughout the week. So whether it's Monday or Saturday going to bed around the same time, waking up at the same time. And I get it, you know, everybody's schedule is different. If you're traveling, uh, you might be a bartender. But ideally, we would be going to bed at the same time, waking up around the same time every day. And then also recognizing that when seasons change, that can affect our circadian rhythm. 
by a half hour to an hour. So just be aware of that. And if you're taking meds, that can affect um, your, your sleep cycle also, right? So just being aware of these different things that uh, could be the reason why you're waking up a little earlier or falling, abed, falling asleep a little later. And then number 10, last one, don't obsess over your sleep, especially if you're having problems. If you need an alarm clock, make sure it's turned away from you so you can't see the numbers. Clock watching makes it harder to fall asleep. And if you find yourself worrying about poor sleep scores, give yourself a break from your sleep tracker. So I love number 10 because I'm a person who uh, was always tracking my sleep. And then I found myself getting anxious because sometimes the sleep tracker would say I had poor sleep. And I'm like, but I feel great. And sometimes I would feel uh, I'd feel horrible or sluggish, and then a sleep tracker would be like, but you got 100% sleep. Um, And so I was like, wait, maybe you don't know me the way that I think you should. So use the sleep tracker intermittently, meaning like use it for three weeks or three months just so you get a baseline of when you're getting deep sleep and when you're struggling and then take action after that, right? Uh, because a lot of times we try to make changes without even knowing um, or observing what is or what our habits are to see where we really need to make the change, right? So that we can be more effective. Now, earlier we were, I talked about what to do if you wake up in the middle of the night. So one, we already kind of mentioned it, right? Which is, Make sure you're not eating too close to bed or drinking because that can cause an insulin spike and wake you up five hours later. And number two is if you wake up in the middle of the night, get up, get out of bed, and go do something and and go and read something boring. Um, You know, it could be Reader's Digest, but we we don't want to activate our nervous system in any way by scrolling or looking at our cell phones or any of that stuff, but, you know, you can journal for a few minutes. You can um, do some static stretching, static as in like you're holding a stretch for, for about three minutes, not, you know, you're not doing a yoga flow at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. Do static stretching or read something very boring and monotonous. That's not going to get you all riled up or um, excited, right? So those are the two things I'd recommend if you're gonna if you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night. If you found so basically, uh, you know, the book talks about how sleep is the best performance enhancing drug that we have. You know, you could take all the supplements, um, you can, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever injections, what medications, what have you, sleep is the number one performance-enhancing drug. And, um, you know, bad sleep is so highly linked with suicidal suicidality because it really inhibits our ability to regulate our mood, our emotions, to think clearly, to, um, to, to, to think about the future, and to problem-solve. So we don't want that. And there's also been another link of uh, poor sleep with, cardiac arrest and and, uh, and also dementia because 
when we're getting poor sleep, then we, we get a buildup of that tau protein and that amyloid beta in our brain, which is when we sleep, the, the sleep, that brainwashing, right, it kind of washes out the amyloid protein and the tau, and the amyloid beta and the tau protein. So we need quality sleep. That's the first line of defense, in my opinion, in suicide prevention, making sure we have quality sleep. If you found any value in this episode, take seven seconds and share it with one other person. If you know somebody who might struggle with sleep, whether it's a snoring or sleep apnea, which we didn't get into, but I've talked about in previous episodes, you know, if you're still struggling with sleep after incorporating these, you might need a sleep test. And if you need a sleep test, you have to talk to your doctor, your medical doctor, whoever your primary care physician is, they'll order it. And then uh, from that sleep test, they may discover you have sleep apnea, right, which is where you stop breathing in your sleep. And if you stop breathing in your sleep, then you definitely want to get that taken care of. Uh, there are different things uh, you can do with that, but I'll let you and your doctor uh, have that discussion. I may cover that in a future episode. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.